Today's episode is sponsored by TrueLearn. TrueLearn has smart banks of practice questions for a wide variety of high-stakes examinations. Are you a med student? They have smart banks for step one and two. Are you a resident in the field of internal medicine, emergency medicine, or anesthesiology? They have you covered with smart banks for the exams you will encounter along your journey. But this is not only for physicians. PAs and MPs can prepare for their exams using TrueLearn as well. They can even help nurses prepare for the NCLEX. Click the link in the show notes for a discount by using the code EDDIEJOMP. D25. Crush your upcoming exams by using TrueLearn. Welcome to the Saving Lives Podcast. I'm Eddie Joan. Today is Sunday, the 19th of February of 2023, and I'm going to be discussing a paper that I recently shared. I think I shared it back in October by the legendary Dr. Jean-Louis Vincent on my social media accounts. The paper was titled, quote, 10 areas for ICU clinicians to be aware of to help retain nurses in the ICU, end quote. You can definitely check out this full free article in the show notes and download it for yourself. Because it's important because you can definitely check out this article down in the show notes because I think it's important for those of us who are ICU clinicians to, you know, be aware of these things. But this podcast is just going to be a discussion about this article and my take on its ten different areas of sorts. Because retention has definitely been an issue, as we all know quite well. But the reality is, who could blame those nurses who left to other facilities offering better pay and opportunities? There were nurses who came to speak to me prior to accepting travel assignments to explain why they were looking elsewhere for more financial resources. They were hoping that I was not going to be mad at them, although I was disappointed because I was definitely going to miss them as people, their skill sets, and their talents. I can't say anything but support their decision. The ability to rid themselves of debts and place themselves on stronger financial footing is not an emotional decision. It's an intelligent decision, in my opinion. Institutions that retaliated against nurses by telling them that they wouldn't be walking back was, well, beyond disappointing. I have no trouble whatsoever admitting that, relatively speaking, the time that I spent at the bedside during the last two and a half years is microscopic compared to that spent by the nurses as well as respiratory therapists. Due to patient lows, I would have to see volumes of patients that would limit my ability to sit down with every patient for the amount of time that they normally would have received from me at the bedside. That time was instead spent by the nurse, as well as the respiratory therapist in many cases. Unfortunately, after several months and several waves, we pretty accurately, accurately learned how to identify which patients were likely not going to make it and which ones possibly were going to make it. It was hard to look at these folks in the face every day while on maximum oxygen support, trying really hard to avoid intubation and just kind of plead with them to keep fighting and they might survive this. The problem is that we knew well within our hearts that, well, they possibly weren't going to survive. It turned out that when I shared this article on Instagram, almost 67,000 people saw my posts regarding this paper. Many comments, as one could expect, began to pour in. Understandably, numerous individuals explained that the emotional trauma experience caused them to leave the workforce, and that's, that's definitely understandable. Some stated that they left their facilities thinking that the grass was going to be greener on the other side, but unfortunately it wasn't. The main request made by the vast majority of people who saw the post was, more financial resources. They wanted more money. And that's something that honestly is out of my control as an ICU physician. I'm not an administrator. And to be quite frank, I don't think I ever want to be an administrator. The reality is that I love my patients too much. I love my staff too much. I love the camaraderie of being the boots on the ground too much. You know, the hospital is honestly a place where 
And I joke about this all the time where I go to socialize and see my friends. I'm going to use these 10 pillars from this article as part of the talk, but ultimately I'm going to put my perspective on it. After all, these are my real world perspectives as being boots on the ground, being a boots on the ground physician. Getting into these 10 areas, the first of the 10 is recognition, respect, and value. Let me be perfectly clear with this. Physicians cannot do the job of nurses. Full disclosure, my wife is a critical care nurse, and although the years kind of jade us, I'm in awe in what she does regularly. This is not a dig or a slight at nurses and staff who do not work in the ICU, but I must admit I have my bias because, well, quite frankly, it's what I know and it's what I work in. The ability to stay on top of numerous components necessary to keep our critically ill patients alive is a skill that not everyone develops nor has the ability to develop. The critical thinking skills associated with ICU nurses should be valued. Whenever a nurse tells me that they have a bad feeling about a patient, I immediately respond by going to the bedside. During rounds, I frequently ask the nurses, well, what do you need from me to help you better take care of your patient? I do not want to speak on behalf of nurses, but I've been told that us physicians trusting their intuition and addressing their needs immediately makes them feel more integral to the team. The times where I disagree with their assessment is typically met with education and discussion, as after all, we're all wrong from time to time. But again, I want to just reemphasize this this whole podcast is not a dig at nurses who are not ICU nurses or any type of stuff that's not ICU nurse. We we know what we know. The second area described out of these 10 areas is role and responsibility. One of the components of my practice is to allow for as much autonomy as possible. This applies to the nurse practitioners, respiratory therapists, uh, as well as the nurses who I have the opportunity to work with. The development of protocols that promote their autonomy have been met with open arms, typically, because nobody wants to be micromanaged, nor does anyone want to have to notify the person putting in orders numerous times a day or an hour of these simple interventions. Protocols that allow for fluid challenges to assess for changes in stroke volume, followed by initiation of vasopressors in patients who are hypotensive and no longer fluid responsive, are examples of these, as well as electrolyte protocols, sedation protocols, vasopressor titration protocols are all within the autonomy that I believe that you know nurses should have. Now, if you think that there's some other type of protocol that should exist, um, I may have forgotten about it, and you can just let me know through some other medium. Continued education, such as what I tried to provide on my, obviously it's not like formal continuing education, but some sort of continued education through social media. Well, it, it brings a certain excitement when one is able to implement the skills that one has learned and put it at the bedside. So the third area in the paper is intellectual stimulation and professional development. Once again, I have to resort to my bias, but the staff caring for ICU patients seem to be the ones most hungry for knowledge. It pleases me greatly when I have stragglers joining during my, my multidisciplinary rounds to see if they learn something new. ICU nurses, by default, at least in my opinion, are a curious, ambitious bunch. Many go on to CRNA school or become nurse practitioners. So I frequently find them chit-chatting about what they learn and how their patient is being managed. This natural curiosity that, that they possess allows for growth. It often puts a smile on my face when I see a fantastic nurse have his or first shift as a charge nurse. I often tell them and reassure them that they were chosen for the role because they can handle it after they confess their doubt and trepidation towards the assignment. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. 
In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Teaching opportunities should also be plentiful for our nurses. As high as turnover unfortunately is, there's no shortage of new hungry minds who want to be educated. I take that back. There is a shortage, but not something that I'll address here today. But I should emphasize that at times, physicians need to be educated by nurses as well. It is challenging to put into words an appropriate assessment of how many times my butt was saved during my formative years as a resident as well as fellows, as fellow, during my time being trained in the ICU. Fond memories of crunching my brain alongside the night shift nurses during residency just floods my mind. One could spot those nurses who've worked hard to grow their education skills. They become a resource for the ICU, and definitely everyone goes to them to have their questions answered. Good leadership and management is the fifth area described. In my opinion, one would get the best out of the staff if they have leaders who have a positive, approachable demeanor. As the saying goes, you'll get more bees with honey than with, vin- with vinegar. But the most respected leaders I noted during the last couple of years were those who were in the trenches with the team rather than hiding in their offices. Those who put the PPE to help prone patients who were constantly lending a hand. So, yeah, those were those who really got the job done, in my opinion. In addition, leaders who fail to accept feedback are destined to fail. There's a book by ex-Navy SEAL Jocko Willink titled Extreme Ownership that I would recommend to anyone who has leadership or management aspirations. It's also great to listen to this book as the authors read it themselves. Teamwork slash collaborative practices is the next area. Daily, I encourage nurses and team to come up with strategies to better care for the patient, but this also includes the ability to voice concerns. If something is felt to be unsafe, it needs to be said. Is there a bad feeling that the patient is too unstable for CT? It needs to be said. Is there some sort of variable I may not have thought about? Well, this needs to be said because otherwise, you know, I didn't think about it. This leads us into the next area being clinical discussion and exchange. In fact, it's kind of the same and could all be lumped into one. So the next several areas can also be lumped together. A good work-life balance, wellness, rehumanizing, etc. Over the last two years, we've all lost something of ourselves. At NTI back in 2022, I was asked how much how I've been able to personally stay motivated throughout the last couple of years and the illness that was floating around. I answered by stating that we each have our calling in life and our calling is to take care of the critically ill. The pandemic has given each and every one of us involved in caring for the patients the opportunity to step up. A challenge presented itself. We stepped up and did the best we can. Despite all the tragedy we have seen, it has given us the ability to shine and persevere. Many of us have been left feeling underrecognized and undervalued, and not to mention undercompensated, which was so frequently stated in the comment section of that post. But part of the reason for that is because unless you're in the ICU, people don't really know what you've been through. I mean, even yesterday I was having a discussion with my with my neighbor, and she had no idea what an, what an ICU even was. Thankfully for her, right? But we have to be proud of ourselves for enduring what we have endured and showing up every day to take care of our patients and take care of our communities. As crappy as many of us have felt, we need to remain proud of ourselves. This was a time in history where most people ran away. Humane care is the last area, but definitely not the least important. 
there's a sign- significant amount of moral injury that takes place in the ICUs. This moral injury happens to us. We all know about those patients who have no business being alive and they're being kept alive by their families for whatever reasons. The things we do to them only prolong suffering instead of letting them go on to their next life. At the end of the day, we're all humans who will one day reach the end to this glorious life that we live. We all wish for ourselves and our loved ones that we will fade into the sunset in peaceful sleep, but as we all know, this is definitely not the case. The rest of society does not deal with death the way we do, and thankfully, they don't have to. But we often complete our dreaded prolonged family discussions where the only thing that is advanced is our ability to tolerate frustration. We feel like we are doing something inhumane to these patients. Unfortunately, I have no solutions here. This is just the way it is. The best we could do is have, you know, previously mentioned psychological support to help us overcome the emotional roller coaster that we live regularly. You know, some I had a patient's family who asked me, how do I cope every day when I get home? And I just say, hey, I just turn it off entirely. Like I do not bring home work with me. I know that my wife, God bless her, she tries to talk to me about my day, but if it's been a rough day, I said, well, I say to her, well, my day's over. Like, I don't I don't want to relive it again because I'm not interested. It's, it's just a coping mechanism that we have. I mean, the other coping mechanism we have is to joke around things. But this is not something that's exclusive to medicine, as I've learned of other industries that, you know, they, they cope for their emotional trauma that, that they see in the workforce. They cope by basically joking around about it. Adding to the lack of humane care, in my opinion, were families not being able to be with their loved ones as they passed on to their next life over the last couple of years. I watched, and God bless them, I watched so many nurses pulling up a chair uh, in full PPE and holding the hands of the patients they just met as they took their last breath. This was honestly quite demoralizing for all of us. I know this is not like a typical podcast um, for me because... um, you know, I'm usually more upbeat and I want to discuss something that's fun, but I really found that this article was was important and it spread around quite a bit like wildfire on social media. But for those of you who did not have the chance to actually go ahead and download it, it's done in the show notes. And I want to thank you for spreading this around and just checking out my podcast in general. It's been a it's been a fun ride and you know, I'm up to like 114 episodes or something like that, and I couldn't have done it without your support. And at least you guys keeping me motivated, keeping me wanting to do this. So thank you all again. I hope you all have a fantastic week. And the other thing is, um, if you happen to run into me in a, in a conference or in a meeting or something like that, come and say hi. Um, I think I'm a nice guy. Um, I think I'm approachable. I like to talk to people and all that. But uh, recently, I've been doing a lot of traveling and and um, just meeting a lot of people. And it's always it's always fun to to meet people who have been supporting my work for for a number of years now. So yeah, this is just a little bit nerdy. I mean, I'm excited to see you guys too. So. Anyway, if you're listening to this on some sort of podcast medium like Pod, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, I'd greatly appreciate if you hit the five stars and subscribe to the podcast as, you know, it definitely helps the podcast grow. All right, I'm pretty much done with this. Thanks a lot, guys. Have a great day. Bye.